Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. On today's episode, I am joined again by Mandy from Fake Movies Podcast to discuss the 1993 television adaptation of Stephen King's The Tommyknockers. Uh, today I have Mandy back on the pod. Uh, we're going to be talking about the 1993 TV ad- adaptation of Stephen King's The Tommyknockers. Thanks for having <laughs> me back. Yeah, of course. I think this was time. my idea. I don't know. I, I don't remember, but I know we talked about it on the yeah, last Yeah, I, I, I think it was your idea, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's... Oh, me and my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> From from your uh, initial reaction here, I'm I'm gathering you did not care for this movie very much. I just I have as I I stated before we started recording, I have some attention issues, focus problems, <laughs> and um I I think all of us kind of tend to to have those in 2021. But yeah. I found it really hard to sit through the first half, particularly. Um, once like people started to be able to you know get some crazy alien powers it piqued my interest a little bit more but the first hour and a half i felt like was like almost completely unnecessary but hey maybe that's just me and my cynical opinion um (laughs) and i never read the book what does the book go into like is half the book dedicated to this charming new haven The, the name of the town was new haven right Haven, I believe in the. Oh, Haven, just Haven. I think it's Haven Falls in the movie. mm -hmm. Does it go into like? Is the first half just the 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 description of the townspeople and their 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 ordinary lives? Uh, I mean, it's Stephen King, so that's all Stephen King. Yeah, (laughs) that that is part of the whole deal with him. I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, and the book's not one of his best by any means. Yeah, I heard it. I I did I did some a little bit of you know just surface level reading and it sounds like it wasn't very well received by critics um but maybe you know was this on nbc nbc or abc i think it was abc i think abc tended to have the stephen king you're you're right they did the um shining miniseries too but uh they must have just like gagging for a stephen king alien movie yeah well stephen king's dipped his uh toe in the um alien uh, well, a few times. Oh yeah, isn't that the one where the aliens live in their butts? That's Dreamcatcher. Yeah. Oh, is that, that one, is that I not think, Stephen King? That is definitely Stephen King. <laughs> it is Are you gonna cover Stephen. that too? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think we should because that that one's definitely a lot zippier. Even though it's a pretty long movie, it's a pretty zippy movie. It's really silly. Um, I mean, this is pretty silly too, but it definitely takes a while to get started. Um, uh, but. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Stephen King. So yeah, he wrote this book in 1987. It was like towards the end of his 
uh, addiction. Like he was definitely struggling with cocaine and alcohol mm-hmm. abuse, and uh, he, this and you could really tell by the. I mean, the subject matter is not really subtle at all about any of that. I mean, yeah, you can pretty much tell whatever Stephen King is going through in his life by what the protagonist of his book is going right. through. Right, <laughs> which in this case would be Guard. Yes, Guard, played by Jimmy Smith. Which um, I feel like. I don't know if I could. I mean, he's kind of the protagonist in the miniseries, but I think a full like twenty minutes goes by before you were even introduced to him. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he's. I mean, in the, it's kind of that way in the book too. Like he's and the only male eye candy in the miniseries. One of my notes was a guy cast this miniseries because totally, I'm like, totally. what's with these gorgeous government workers in this? tiny town like we got tracy lords working in the post office yeah um yeah. and then um is like uh yeah the, I mean, and yeah. and joanna cassidy is the cop yep and i'm like what's these babes and like all the dudes they date are you know kind of just you know yeah. a little bit more believably small town middle-aged yeah. men so yeah that i'm like where's the man and eye candy and then <laughs> The uh, the the I was about to say I Mandy, but then I was like, oh, <laughs> I comma mm-hmm. Mandy. You could say that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically speaking. <laughs> but yeah, and I think also it's funny because like you know in the book, a lot of these characters are not described as like these you know knockout looking chicks mm-hmm. either. I mean, like like the Tracy Lord's character is is like a more closer to the guys, the other guys' characters' uh, age, I believe. Yeah, that she's having an affair with. Um, so it's yeah, the, the the show they definitely are trying to sex it up a bit for you know, but uh, yeah, gotta get those viewers, gotta get those ratings. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Smith is definitely like yeah, the only like like handsome or or, or classically handsome looking guy on the on yeah the, on the whole. I think pretty much yeah, in the whole movie, I come to think of it. I mean, but I felt like the the miniseries really it felt like. Bobby was a little bit more of the main character to me at least. I mean, yeah, I'd say I'd say that in the book too. The book really starts off with her. It starts off pretty much where the movie starts off. She's walking through the woods and then comes across this little piece of metal or whatever yeah. in the ground and and, all and that. Bobby is played by Mark Helgenberger and she has this very 90s bob in what is like the color the hair color of the 90s, strawberry yeah. blonde. She's yeah she's a she's a she's a novelist of westerns, and um, she has an estranged boyfriend or whatever named Guard played by Jamie Smiths who's a poet. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they act like poets actually make money. Yeah, <laughs> that actually was more hard for me to believe than the aliens part. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess in some circles of a very high prestige, there. But yeah, there's like I, there's like. One poet out there making a living off of that. Yeah, yeah. Off of the poetry, who's not teaching or doing anything like that. Um, but I, I like the, you know, the fantasy of writers all oh. being famous. That's yeah. a nice little fantasy. That well, I, I think for I think of- Stephen King can't write otherwise. I mean, because that's been his entire adult life. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. <laughs> I mean, outside of like his early twenties when he was struggling, uh, yeah, he has he's had it pretty much made. Um, so yeah, I it's I, I mean, he's he's he occupies a kind of interesting place, right? Like he's kind of like become like kind of like just this, like this goofy, slightly embarrassing, but 
kind of lovable uncle character in, <laughs> in pop culture, even though yeah. he's like, I mean, even though he's written some really truly like gnarly stuff, but like that's kind of what the position he occupies now. He's just kind of like, oh, it's this goofy Uncle Steve. Yeah. <laughs> You know, opining about whatever on Twitter or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't follow his Twitter activity. It's, I guess I need to you're not to tune much. in here. It's it's total corny boomer boomer. Like I mean, he's 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 not he's he's not bad. He's obviously not like a terrible person. At least for someone like that, I guess he's just you know he's just he's just corny. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I mean, obviously talented. I mean, uh, he has written a lot of good stuff and a lot of. I mean, he's definitely shaped. Uh, American was culture. this in the phase when nobody would edit him and he could just put out I a thousand they, page I think, book? I think they're still in that phase. He's yeah, but like phase. when when Tommy Knockers came out, was that that phase already? Oh yeah, well, solidly yeah. in place. Yeah, I think that really started with like with honestly, that probably started with like it. I think because it was like I thought um, it came out after this one. Maybe I'm no, wrong. It, it came out uh, before on eighty six, I believe, and. Uh, the, the See, TV. there's something about the long winded windedness of that one that I find very comforting. Yeah, well, that works for that story too. That's a much more story all the than... like waxing poetic on the on the like fifties nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, it's a sprawling thing about a whole town, and this is like a sprawling thing about a town, but it's like a very small, boring town. <laughs> but Derry gets a mention right out of the gate in oh, the miniseries yeah. because there's the state trooper. Yep. Whose name I can't remember. He is that like he looks a bit like Dennis Franz? Like what is the character's name? I, I don't know his name. He's he, in the movie. He has a relationship with Ruthie. Uh, Ruthie, played by Joanna Cassidy. Yeah. So Joanna Cassidy is like the local, I don't know, sheriff, pe- chief of yeah. police, something. Well, it's and a small she, town. She wears a bunch of hats, I guess. And she's got an amazing doll collection. Yeah. <laughs> that we see right out of the gate in um like in the f- first 5 minutes. Uh and I I did write a note like if this movie was going to be more on the dolls. Yeah. I mean the dolls do have a uh, a role later on, but I was I was intrigued by the dolls. There was one like Humpty Dumpty looking doll that would did freak me out. Obviously there's no way those dolls are not going to come to life later. I mean Yeah. No it's way. like Chekhov's gun. Here's yeah. the dolls. Chekhov's dolls, yeah. <laughs> um why were the dolls in the police station? That kind of blew my mind. I, I don't know. It was like it was. It's a weird. I because I, I I don't remember her being a police person in the book. I think that might be an invention of the show. I think they might. Oh really? Come, I think. Well, yeah, because you know how they do that where they combine characters. They just combine. Yeah, totally. Yeah. John Ashton is the uh, guy who plays the love interest of her. Yeah. And he, he plays a character named Butch Dugan. He loves Butch, to drink yeah. his Coca-Cola. Oh, um, and I recognized me. him. <laughs> I recognized him. I was like, I have seen that dude in some other shit. He was in Beverly Hills Cop. I think he's like a total character actor who's been in like, yeah. Um, hold on, I got his... He looks a bit like Dennis Franz from NYPD Blue and all that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. You're totally right, yeah. I mean, not identical, but definitely on the same, like, you know, out of, like, the same, the same mold or something. Oh, he some... plays the dad in some kind of wonderful. That's who oh, I'm thinking of. okay. Like, I'm okay. like, oh, I know this guy. Yeah, he's the dad in some kind of wonderful. Okay, um, But I kind of felt like I'm like, eh, is he in Joanna Cassidy's league? Let's be real here. Yeah. <laughs> But no. there's like no options in this town if Tracy Lords is going after uh, Cliff DeYoung. 
she is truly into him. Yeah. Because when, you know, Marg Helgenberger gets psychic powers later, she can read her mind and she's all horny. Yeah. In her brain for she's so hot. And I'm like, wow, she's not faking it or like trying to get his money. She's like legitimately into him. Yeah. I don't know, man. Pretty unlikely, but yeah, right. Small town, you know, not very many options. Pickens are slim. So the like the first hour I felt like was just basically establishing the baseline of Haven, yeah. Maine, so that when shit goes upside down, we're like, <laughs> nothing's quite right here. So we get uh, the like a sneak peek at the everyday lives of this whole freaking town. It's a little much. Clearly, I was like, really? Um, it's it just like, I just kept being like, get to the aliens. Where is the aliens? Yeah. They I, don't even get to it in the first hour and a half, yeah. really. At least they do get to the aliens. Eventually. They do actually show up eventually. Yeah. Just thought we could talk about like who, who all, all these people. We got Bobby and her alcoholic boyfriend guard. Yep. They're both writers. And we have Joanna Cassidy is the sheriff or whatever. And she's got another cop coworker named Becca. And I loved her. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. She, she was totally so pitiful. Actually, the actress who played her is named Alice Beasley, and I'm like, she's totally in something. Yeah. Let's see what I can faces, find. It just looks familiar. It was it, her voice is what I was like. I know that voice. Yeah. Oh, maybe I knew her from. She's in Legally Blonde. <laughs> oh, who's she playing Legally Blonde? She. I remember that voice. She's like a like a some sort of financial advisor or okay. I don't know something at, at the school. Um, hold on, let me see. What else was she on? She's, I think she's done a lot of voice acting. Oh. She was on Moonlighting. I knew it. I'm like, oh. she was on a TV show or something like uh, Night Court. Well, I was close. Moonlighting. Yeah. Another show that takes place at night. That was a very big 80s thing. I mean, it was before my time, honestly. I mean, it was I was alive when it was on. but you know. Yeah, it was on from 85 to 89. And I don't think I ever saw it either. This is hard for people to believe because I have a whole podcast dedicated to 80s nostalgia, but I didn't watch a lot of TV in the 80s. I watched a lot of movies. Yeah. I, but I didn't I, actually watch much like mainstream like network TV. Yeah. I watched more movies too, probably mostly because I was uh, living overseas and we did That would live, make sense. Yeah. yeah. My dad was in the army. We did not live on the base. We actually lived in a German town. And so basically we would just watch stuff that we rented. Uh, I watched a lot of cartoons that my grandparents sent uh, from from videotapes from overseas. Like, uh, that's... Yeah, I watched cartoon shows, like kids shows, but yeah. I didn't. I definitely wasn't going to watch Moonlighting, which was a show about people working in an office at night when yeah. I was five. Yeah. Like, just no interest <laughs> in that. Um, and then we have uh, Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds was in yeah. this as okay, like the yeah, diner that's, owner. Yes, that's why I recognized him. Okay, yeah. Robert Carradine. Yeah, and he is uh, the he's the father of the two boys. Um, yeah, he runs like the local diner in town, and he's got two kids named Davy and Hilly. Yeah. And uh, Hilly's um, an aspiring magician. That's right. And they have this grandpa, <laughs> um, who isn't on my list in the cast. Like, why they forget? I think it's E.G. E. Marshall. E.G. Marshall. Okay. Um. I got real troll two vibes from this grandpa son situation. 
<laughs> oh, totally, totally. You totally. know what I mean? The magic mischievous grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I That's mean, such not, a trope. Yeah. Yeah. He's at odds with the, the father-in-law, his son-in-law. I mean, and he's always trying to encourage his kids to uh, do. Uh, <laughs> Explore their passions for yeah. magic. Except uh, this, he's alive in this one versus... Right, he's not a, a weird ghost. Grandpa Seth? Yes. <laughs> no no Molotov cocktails in this one, though, unfortunately. Yes. So sad. <laughs> we have our post-office drama with Tracy Lords and um, Cliff DeYoung. They are working together in the post office and having a very passionate... Um, extramarital affair and he's married to the, the high-pitched lady from Moonlighting. I think that's about it. Who's this other guy? Chaz Stewart. Which one was Chaz Stewart? Okay. Oh, Chaz. He's the he's the host of the TV, the fake like dating show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Yes, okay. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Okay, yeah. That's uh, what's her name is uh, Becca is, uh, is a really big fan. Of really that. into watching dating shows, which um were a huge thing in the 80s for and 90s for sure but uh later on when she gets more alien powers she kind of has this uh, that is when my attention was like i was like okay i'm into this now um when she starts like the dating show host starts talking to her through the tv i'm like this is getting good yeah the book the (laughs) the book's version of that is pretty crazy oh doesn't jesus talk to her yeah it's a it's a picture of jesus that talks to her they couldn't do that on yeah. ABC. They had to yeah. change it up. Yeah, I mean, that that's like one of the obvious, like, yeah, not, not surprising they would do that. But yeah, in the book, it's a it's a it's a it's a talking Jesus. Um, and she's like, really, I think she's really super religious, too. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. that, they so. didn't really touch on that much in this. No, nah. I don't know. They really didn't touch on religion much at all in uh, back then. And, you know, they didn't want to. Uh, they didn't like, want to offend either way. So they're like, we're just not going to. Yeah. Go there. But, you know, this wasn't completely family friendly because there was like some passionate lovemaking. It was kind of just like, I don't know. But I was like, dang, they're getting down here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You uh, you mean like Bobby and Bobby and guard. Yeah. 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 She has the green. Yeah. She's the green alien sex eyes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I was confused what their relationship was initially. I'm like, are they friends? Well, are yeah. they lovers? What's the deal? Because he keeps talking about his friend, Bobby. Yeah. Well, the, the, well, I mean, in the book, I mean, I would say the, the this is actually one of the things that's actually pretty true to the book is the. Their relationship is basically like they're they're like best friends slash lovers <laughs> on and off. They're like uh, he's, FWB. He, kind of, not quite. I think they I think they are actually more actually a couple, but it's like they're kind of yeah. I guess it's kind of like they're not like they're not married. They're not living together. Are they living together? I don't know. Yeah. It's unclear. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because uh, you know it's not like a stereotypical I bet thing. these townspeople were really confused yeah. about that. They're like they're like when is guard going to put a ring on it, Bobby? And she's like, I don't know, I'm not ready to for commitment. Yeah. And they were like, "Whoa, wild." <laughs> um so she I mean, Bobby is Mark Helgenberger and she's also got a dog named Pete, Peter. Yes, Pete. And they're out walking around in the woods and they come across this 
basically like this metal protruding from the ground and it's hot. They indicate it's hot to the touch or something or cold. Yeah. I don't know. She like recoils from it. Yeah. I mean, I, and it zaps the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And it cures his, uh, his, like his, his cataract or whatever, his eye clouded eye or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cause one's still clouded and one's not. It just zaps one eyeball. Yeah. And it's like the very bright, you know, like glow, like green from like glow stick, kind of that kind of green. Yeah, like it's definitely green, got glow stick color. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's ABC miniseries. It's pretty low budget. Like, yeah. Effects. Yeah. I, mean, I would say that later on in the movie, some of the alien stuff's pretty impressive, but like the, uh, for a low budget abc thing but like yeah like a lot of like it's just pure it's cheesy like pew pew laser yeah it starts off slow where we you know there's just just this metal protruding from the ground it zaps the dog the dog is um a little bit more violent and aggressive but you know has cleared up his glaucoma or whatever um but then uh bobby here keeps wanting to go dig this thing up and kind of becomes obsessed with digging yeah she's got a newfound passion for digging yeah <laughs> yeah and and uh i mean it it yeah and it's so like and as she's digging more stuff starts to happen gradually yeah it's things gradually. start to accelerate <laughs> at first it's she is she is definitely the one like most affected um probably because she's the one scrambling around on it and digging up uh so much and she's like very obsessed with it and her partner guard is like concerned and he's had some sort of injury where he has a metal plate in his head and he's like unaffected yeah. by this basically it's a spacecraft spoiler alert it's a, yeah. it's a spacecraft it's, it's a um yeah. and the more that's revealed the more like everybody the population of the town is starting to get psychic powers they can read each other's minds um and they feel like inventing little doc brown style inventions out of like odds and ends and like you know rube goldberg machine type situations yeah yeah it's and like it's like uh, one of them is uh bobby makes like this printing machine where she can actually she makes like a self-writing typewriter that just writes her next book for her overnight which is handy she dreams it and it prints it out basically yeah yeah i remember that typing sequence being in the trailer they like promo that played on abc i definitely watched this when it came out on abc and in fact i taped it on a vhs then it was very poor quality and i don't think i ever watched it again like i taped it because i loved the miniseries for it loved it yeah and i taped that off tv and watched the shit out of that yeah. But this one, I was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> this green typewriter ain't all that. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I do remember it coming out, too, actually. I was very excited about it. Because I had just started, like, getting into Stephen King. I was in, like, yeah. sixth grade. So, I, like, I just started reading it and stuff like that. And so, I didn't Well, see in it. 90 to, like, 96 was, like, Stephen King miniseries. Yeah. One after the, I mean, there was the stand, (laughs) there was it, there was Tommy knockers, there was the shining, there was the Langoliers, like just, we had mania. He must've had some sort of deal with ABC. I don't know. Yeah, I think he did. Um, Well, they gave him creative control. Whereas, you know, I don't think Hollywood really 
no gave much of that no no he yeah because like he had he had had that experience with the shining where he did not like right that turned out um uh you know it's like but uh yeah and and i think at that time uh he was he was still he's still prolific now that's the thing is he has not stopped (laughs) so he's like still making stuff and still writing i can't imagine that like at some point i mean at some point you have enough money and you're like i'm just tired yeah didn't he get hit by a car he did uh uh, around 99 i believe 98 99 Uh, and then he um he wrote Dreamcatcher while he was basically recovering from that. And you can, and again, you can just like this one, you can tell what he was going through when he was doing it. Cause the movie is like all this body stuff and like all this and like all this st- stuff about body, body horror and depression and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And, and this one obviously is more about addiction and, you know, um, and it's pretty much only about addiction, really. I mean, that's really what it's about. I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, that's this. It's not even really subtext. It just is like, just there, um, throughout the whole thing. Like Bobby cannot stop using it, and Guard is himself struggling with alcohol. Yeah. Um, as we like see earlier in the movie, when he we we're introduced to him reading a poem. Um, he yes. Hasn't, he hasn't written anything, uh, but he's at like some kind of like. Re- public reading where he's being celebrated uh and uh he's so he, he reads an old love poem he wrote to bobby or something and right and it does that thing where like they you know they give you a, little, a standing ovation to the poem yeah. as well yeah it's weird though when you do those kinds of things in movies because you can't really fake genius or fake things that are like brilliant you know or <laughs> right so, so you gotta kind of just like fudge it and pretend, yeah that's you know? like i i almost wrote a book about a stand-up comedian <laughs> and I started writing. I'm like, these jokes suck. I was like, there's no way I can write a book about a stand-up comedian and pretend these jokes are funny. Yeah. So I, yeah. I scrapped it because I'm like, there's just no way. So, um, yeah. And poetry, especially, mm-hmm. that one's hard to pull off. As I don't know. You know, he tried before, and it with the hair is winter fire, and he nailed it a little bit closer with that one. Yeah. But that was that's the, a cute like and it's like it's a, a ten year old. It's also yeah. a ten year old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a haiku and it's it's cute and little you know, yeah. It works for that, but like, yeah, this is a bit above pretty much anybody's pay grade, let alone Stephen King's, so I feel like it's just like but, you know, uh he 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 doesn't really I, I think he has more of it in the book, but like again, it's it's you're not gonna read a whole thing a whole poem they're not they're not going to bother with that it's just like you get the idea this guy's a brilliant poet americans but, have low tolerance for poetry yeah well they're like fair. okay let's get on with it we, yeah. we heard a couple words yeah. um and also you know the addiction component is you know it, bobby starts to look like somebody who's an alcoholic over time yeah uh and also she's very addicted to something that's clearly bad for her yeah but feels invincible on, yeah. which is, you know, drugs and alcohol make you feel like that too. You yeah, start to yeah. look like shit. I mean, but her you teeth think, are falling out and shit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, like faces of meth by the yeah. end. <laughs> I was thinking like, yeah, this is like basically just like alien meth. Like, it, it, like mm-hmm. you know. It's They're like, super productive, super horny. Yep, yep. Their teeth are falling out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, exactly. It's like, uh, it's like uh, tweakers from space. Um, but, uh, what's his name? Uh, guard. Yeah. Guard. Yeah. Guard has like some kind of 
thing at some reception where he's she, <laughs> he's he, he's like trying not to drink but then you know there's alcohol being served right mm-hmm. there so he's yeah so he takes it and he's he makes an ass of himself and though to be right. fair he's like making he's oh yeah i forgot he he totally fucking throws a drink down that lady's dress oh yeah like, he throws a drink in someone's face like yeah. <laughs> like it's some man getting fresh with him yeah and he's like uh you know talking i think it's like the guy's like some kind of big corporate bigwig and he's like you know marking it you know talking about the toxic waste he's producing or something and being all righteous oh yeah i read that in the book he's like really political like guard is like really political kind of hippie sort of yeah anti anti-capitalist sort of guy yeah yeah he's he's, yeah he's like kind of like environmental i mean a little bit it's 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 not like the main thing about his character in that book but it's definitely more pronounced in the book than it is in the movie well and he's with some real highfalutin high society people in this scene and um i think that that lady who he throws a drink in kind of embodies that like 80s yuppie fashion that swept back short I know this doesn't take place in the 80s and it wasn't filmed in the 80s, but 93 was still a little 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it, for sure. I mean, it, it's, basically, it's basically the 80s until like 95 or 96, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, right. We're still in the 2010s, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we've gone back a few years. It just feels it just feels so weird. The last few years have been so weird. We've just been, you know, marking, you know, standing in, running in place since 2019 yeah totally (laughs) you know so so he's obviously spiraling out of control and he wakes up like you know drunk and everything on the side of the beach or something like uh, on the (laughs) the piers or something yeah he's you know in in the book he's woken up by a kid uh who's like some apparently some kid from another stephen king book you know he does that a lot yeah little crossovers like little cameos from other characters but you know it is in the movie he's just like he just wakes up on the pier just like uh what am i doing i gotta go see bobby bobby's my rock or whatever i guess Mm -hmm. um meanwhile uh stuff is starting to unfold um the i'm trying to remember is when did when does the kid so the, the the kid disappears that's one of the big events yeah that takes place about like in the first act of the second part of the miniseries okay I'm pretty sure yeah yeah they really Where get the, to take their time the kids started. of the diner owners are davy and hilly and yeah and hilly is the one that wants to be the next houdini and he performs for his class in the first yeah. part and is kind of a you know, sad trombone at yeah. it. Like he, <laughs> he like screws it up and pisses off the teacher. But in the second part, he puts on a little show and he, you know, at this point he's got some alien powers brewing. Yeah. Uh, and he actually does a disappearing act on his younger brother and his brother disappears like, uh, yeah, just into thin air. No yeah. one knows who this guy is. This little boy is D- yeah. Davy, and the whole town is kind of summoned to look for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joanna Cassidy, aka Ruthie, is like really leading the charge on that, and she makes some bold statements. She's like, "I promise, I'll find your kid." And I'm like, "Dang, I would." Whew, that's a strong statement, there, lady. Yeah. Um, and you know, <laughs> everyone starts looking for the kid. I think, and you know, while this is all cooking up. 
Becca, who's the cop played by the girl from Moonlighting, is basically planning to kill her husband because yeah. she's lost the plot. She's like the TV is talking to her. She's figured out her husband is having an affair with Tracy Lords. And she like rigs the TV to electrocute her husband. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, though, this was this was this was this is very satisfying because that sucks. was my favorite thread. <laughs> he's so he's such an ass to her yeah. that you're not even bummed when she murders him. You're like, yep, you had yep. it coming, dude. Yep, he did. Uh, he, but he, she's like cuckoo bananas after totally, that. Totally. Yeah. Does she like get committed or something? Cause yeah. And she's rocking back and forth and talking about the Tommy knockers, the Tommy yeah. knockers. That's the weird thing about the movie is they don't explain the context of the Tommy knocker thing, which because the Tommy knockers is like an old like this nursery rhyme or this old poem or something. I thought they were like little dwarves that they are mines. They were mines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's like some kind of like little poem about them. And, and there's like a little bit of context about that, I think, in the book. And like, they live underground and they yeah. kind of just wreak havoc. They're like gremlins that live underground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're like a long line of creatures that, you know, come from under. Yeah. Basically dwarves. You know, or elves or whatever. You know, and they were just a scapegoat for mining accidents. I'm yeah, sure. Basically. You know, so and so, old Joe down died down in the mines. Bunch of rocks fell on him. They're like, it's the Tommy Knockers. You know, but you know, the the little kids are chasing each other around in the first part, and like, it's the Tommy Knockers, blah blah blah. And yeah, they don't explain like the lore yeah. of what a Tommy Knocker is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 in the book it's just it's just kind of it's actually kind of just more tossed off like it just comes from like a poem that guard hears and somehow it just becomes the accepted name of these things. It's like a weird it it, it makes more sense in the way the book unfolds, but like yeah, in the in the show they're just like kind of like uh, I guess we got to really justify this this title. <laughs> you know? It's like Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, no one cares, really. I mean, um, but yeah, it, it's like, whatever. Uh, the kid, yeah, it, there is a cool part, though, with that kid when he's talking. I mean, he's talking to the woods. His brother, little brother, sees him talking out to the woods. This is before they disappear. It's like, it's like he's getting instructions from the mm. spaceship or something. Um, yeah, like people tend to, I think it's like it comes like as voices in their head or comes like as, I, I guess, is how it's supposed to be. And I read that in the book, the way the like ship is kind of infecting them is sort of different. Like it's emitting some gas. Yeah, it's a bit more. It's a bit more. It's less like glow stick light stuff. Yeah, it's a bit more like a. It's a, they they had to do the glow stick light so we could see it. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a visual thing, so mm -hmm. it makes sense. Movies. Yeah, it's a visual translation of that concept. But yeah, for sure. Um, the uh, and the. The uh, uh, what the fuck was I gonna say? <laughs> I don't know. My brain just got zapped like that little kid. Um, <laughs> but everyone, you know, is summoned to look for this kid, and of course, they can't find him. Yeah. Um, because he, I don't want to give any spoilers, but he's down in the ship. Yeah, yeah. In the I mean, the whole episode, the whole idea of this podcast is it's a spoiler. We, we're we're explaining this so no one actually has to endure the three-hour yeah. movie. Yeah, it's pretty clear what's going on with the it's the aliens. Yeah, I mean, it really, yeah, it totally is aliens, totally. And uh, and the and he, yeah, he's being he's he's being held in the ship um, as like some kind of like bat battery or something. In the book, he's like transported to like some. But I feel like things escalate really quickly. 
from like people having just like some psychic powers and making some goofy gadgets to like suddenly it's like Village of the Damned. Yeah, yeah. They like start developing kind of like a hive mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and like guard of course not being infected is like started to get comes under suspicion by them and uh yeah it's like that's that's where like most of the last act is kind of concerned with um uh there's some i mean the kind of gadgets they start making are pretty cool though like uh, I did the love- lipstick laser gun yes i, I love that yeah <laughs> that was my favorite um yeah, Tracy Lords invents a like lipstick green laser gun where she she zaps two cops in the woods and they just like disintegrate. Yeah. And then she applies it and she's like, "Two bad boys." I don't remember what she says exactly, but she is just hamming it up and she's totally. the same character she is in every movie where Tracy Lords is in it. She's just like oversexed. Yeah. Uh seductress um in a postal uniform. Yep. <laughs> but with Veronica Lake hair. Yes, yes. And uh, I think she starts by making some kind of thing, like device for the mail room or something. Yeah. Just like a mail sorter thing. Just something, you know, practical. And then she's like, I'm going to up the ante and make a lipstick gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, the <laughs> and, and then uh, after um, uh, what's the, her her boy toy dies uh, joe, joe dies dies yeah. yeah she gets she makes like some kind of like super souped up shotgun and gives it to the the the, the diner guy the the yeah carradine robert carradine yeah is bryant brown i actually couldn't remember that guy's name yeah. um i was just like oh it's lewis from revenge of the nerds yeah and he he's he he loses some teeth pretty rapidly and goes on some weird alcoholic bender with a uh, guard. Yeah, they go yeah. they go have a nice drink together too. Before things really escalate, they just yeah. have like a nice, you know, as dudes, two dudes just blown off steam. Yeah. Well, I think he, what he's trying to do is trying to get guard to go off the off the wagon so he can yeah, uh, yeah make lose his fly. wits. Yeah, because like guard is aware something is going on in the town. I mean, it's just undeniable. Guard is like like seems like there's something going on with the shed. She tries to like direct him away from that. At one point, she's just like, "Petey's dead." Yes, basically, it turns out that Petey is uh, one of many people being used as a battery in the shed. Yes, yeah. So is the little boy Davy. Yes. Um, and and really, Bobby is too. That's why she's just getting like the life sucked out of her, and she's just like getting all gaunt and skeletal. Yeah. She's not looking good. I heard in the book there's like graphic descriptions of the like torture of Petey the dog. Uh do you recall I, that? I don't recall that. I don't recall that being it being too bad. I just read like the differences between um the book and the um it says Peter the dog is tortured and experimented on at length in the novel. Uh I don't remember that being a thing. I mean mm. No, I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. Like I remember, like, I mean, the he, I mean, it probably does describe more detail what is being done, what has happened to him. But I don't think I don't remember there being like a whole scene where they're like, you know, going into like loving detail about. It's probably it was probably like a paragraph. Yeah, and the person who wrote this wiki wiki article like was like it was horrible. Yeah. It it went on at length, and they just didn't remember it was like. A paragraph. I mean, it's a six hundred 
700 page book it's like so long and there's so much going on in it and it's in there's a lot in there <laughs> yeah it's easy to I forget all the details so but i don't remember that um i feel like that would have stood out to me um but apparently a, an addition to the miniseries that was not in the book was butch dugan getting killed by an ex- exploding soda machine oh yeah 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 that, that which one. He, this guy was getting so many cokes yes. it was bound to happen <laughs> yeah i i feel i felt i felt uh personally slighted by that um scene. <laughs> you're like god damn my, my coke addiction's gonna get me somehow seriously <laughs> I, I i am i am uh, well someone says those sodas are gonna kill you someday yeah so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i do lo- i do love explosions like that, that was that was, yeah I, I do love it when an in, inanimate in objects attack people that is always really fun <laughs> you know like toasters flying at people i remember this again this is a side tangent but i remember when i was a kid there was this i don't remember what network it was on probably nbc or something abc NBC, you know one of the major networks maybe fox it was a you know end times prophecy special you know mm-hmm. that, that i have occasionally like you know talk, just going over like greatest hits of all these you know nostradamus predicts this the mayans predict that and they're talking about how the mayans or somebody predicted uh on on 2012 all the house like all the object household objects would start attacking people oh wow yeah there's like a guy getting attacked by a waffle iron like having his tie <laughs> like, <kind of laughs> it was I, it just it was just a memory that sticks out it was really funny that's pretty good but yeah. I, I remember that night I was waiting I was like something's gonna happen I just no no no, no. but instead we just entered an alternate timeline yeah I feel like that's, that's clearly what happened. what happened yeah something happened but it was just uh it was definitely not 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 the fun kind of thing <laughs> it's <was> just like <laughs> a switch was pulled that was just like oh shit uh, let's enter this really shitty timeline yeah I want to go back in the choose your own adventure book and pick the right one, you know. <laughs> right. We entered like the timeline where like um Biff is pre- is uh runs oh, the town in Back to the Future 2. 100%. 100%. Yeah, except he ruled the country for 4 years. And... Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um but yeah, like the explosion was a lot of fun. I love that stuff. I love that kind of thing. Um uh, where he gets attacked by the, the soda machine. Um, and the, I, I, that is funny that I don't, yeah, in the book, there's a lot more of it. There's like a lot of that. There's like a lot of stuff like that. The book is jam packed with shit. Like, there's so many characters that are like even just, like, cause you go, cause it really is with Stephen King, you do get almost like kind of like a kaleidoscopic view of the whole town. Yeah. Kind of, which, you know, it works in novel form, but it doesn't really translate to TV. So they tend to focus on. Yeah, like the same, like the the key seven characters, right? Yeah, maybe and, someday they'll make this into a TV show, and we'll get the real deep dive. You know, I think it'll probably make a pretty interesting TV show. Someone could jazz it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's way there's total room for like improvement and embellishment. I mean, like Stephen King's not even fond of the book. He's he's pretty he's been pretty upfront. It's a pretty terrible book. <laughs> he wrote it pretty much at like a low point in his life, but uh, it helped him get through his. Uh, I mean, writing it got through helped him get through the uh, the the process, I guess. Um, but it was like, uh, yeah, definitely not well received at the time. Um, but you know, it was Stephen King, so of course it sold a jillion copies and everything so and it also there's like the book is kind of really sloppy in that there's like lots of like 
just like flat out like continuity errors, which I don't would <laughs> you wouldn't think about in a book, but like there's like literally parts where a character like in a flashback where a character is talking to a character that shouldn't be talking to that character based on when that character is supposed to be alive. <laughs> oh like, no. Yeah, yeah. And it's like clearly nobody was bothering with the editing with them, you know? So I think I think we're up to the point where we're like kind of in the final act. Yeah, yeah. Um so but yeah, so basically the town has descended into like this uh you know, dictatorship, I guess. But not dictatorship, cult. I mean they're yeah. they're yeah, they're like a hive mind. So they're like everybody yeah. but guard is 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 part of this uh, collective alien mind. I guess Bobby's sort of the leader. Yeah. And they talk about becoming Yes. Which would be yeah. like kind of joining it with the ship, I yeah. presume. Yeah. Well, in the book, it's more evident that they're actually becoming the creatures. Like, like they, like literally, mm-hmm. there's there's a scene in the book where Bobby like uh, unveils her, you know, uh, genitalia, and they're like this a- like alien tentacles coming like out. Like an of it. oh wow, yeah, it's yeah, pretty gnarly. See um, if they redid this into something now, they could they could include the genital tentacles. Yeah. Especially if it was like, especially if it's like streaming or cable for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause you could do like the more crazy out there stuff that they couldn't do with this. Um, and they're all trying to like dig up more of the ship. They get guard to go along with it, I guess. Cause he has no choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And eventually they come across the hatch, the opening, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what they're looking for. And it's like this kind of, you know, panel with all these figures and writing on it. And he and Bobby go into the spaceship down, like, this elevator. Yep. And, um, yeah, this is where, like, the, the money... Of this the is show. where the, we see aliens, finally. Yeah, yeah. They're all dead. Yeah. Well, or, you know, seemingly dead. Seemingly dead. And um, Guard picks up a flashlight, and I was like, was that already in there? Or did he drop it, and it, like, rolled under someone, you know, some alien corpse? I don't Did you know. notice that he like, yeah, yeah, he like yeah. reaches in, he's he grabs a flashlight. I'm like, was that just conveniently stashed down there? <laughs> I don't know. There seemed to be, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it was probably just, oh god, we got to give him a flashlight, don't we? It's pretty dark in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it wasn't last... even like a cool alien flashlight. It was no. like just one from Ace Hardware. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, nobody will notice. They're they're too distracted by the alien <laughs> stuff to notice this. Yeah, and I got... thought the aliens looked kind of good, though. No, I mean, yeah. like, this like actually... they were decent aliens. Yeah, the spaceship actually looks pretty, like, pretty impressive for for. I mean, for that kind of budget. I mean, I've seen worse. At, at they really budgets. like put the dollars in yeah. that last scene. Yeah, it looks it looks pretty gnarly. It looks pretty like it looks alien enough, and and, de- and the, there's obviously a nice big set there, and you know, obviously some effects and you know, blue screen and stuff. And then um, there's like this big panel in the middle, like it's like one of the, it's like a like a big, what what? It's kind of like those things, those gyroscope things that you hook up to, yeah. Kind of, you know, except it's just like a flat s- circle, and one of the aliens dead, alien, and they're like is hooked up to it, and they look kind of like interesting. They're like an interesting looking alien. They look kind of like little. Goblins. When I got a glimpse of the limbs, just on the floor, I'm like, this looks like a weird like praying giant praying mantis. Like bit. laying out on the floor, it didn't quite look like that w- later. But initially, I was like, "Huh, it's kind of got some like weird spiky legs." Yeah, and they're pretty well done puppet puppeteering creatures. Affect the shot pretty well. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, 
Yeah, and they're all dead, but as soon as like Bobby and uh, Guard leave the frame, the hand starts moving. Mm-hmm. There's, they're still. They alive. aren't dead, guys. Yeah, <laughs> they're just dormant. Uh, and so, and they find, of course, Hilly, uh, not Hilly, Petey, Davy, <laughs> Davy, the little boy who's been missing, who disappeared in the magic act. Yeah, he's down there, kind of being used as a battery. Yeah, it, it like uh, like up in the shed, like ba- Bobby was using Grandpa as a battery and PD as a battery and Hilly as a battery, right? No, not Hilly. No, no. What's her name? Because Ruthie goes missing. Ruthie. Ruthie. Ruthie yeah. Hilly. PD. <laughs> oh my God, these names: Hilly, PD, Davy, Ruthie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bobby. Um, He's yeah. just got E names here. Tommy Knockers. <laughs> so this is, I kind of like blanked out for a second when I was watching it. And then all of a, all of a sudden guard was like trying to fly the ship. Yeah. What compelled that to, to come into being? Like what started that? Okay. So what I remember is that they're in the ship. They, they, they are exploring. That turns out the creature is alive. The aliens come alive yeah. again yeah it kills one of them um i think it actually i think it kind of sucks some energy from bobby and its face kind of morphs into a bit like a bit more of like a smoother looking like it's trying to like it's getting its life from her you know to revive her to revive itself yeah i think that's the idea so mm-hmm. uh, um whereas in the book they're literally becoming like new versions they're of like creatures. they're like turning into them yeah not like being sucked of their energy yeah I mean, in a sense, they're being sucked with their energy. It's because they're being changed. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely more of a transformation in the book. But um, but yeah, so the alien, so that alien, they chops a guard, kills it with like some kind of axe or something. Handy. Uh, I think there's like some kind of weapon or something he kills it with. Like, cause they're all like they look like they've all been like. Did it have green blood? Sorry, my mic got real loud all of a sudden. Apologies. I'm <laughs> it's like. Okay. What's going on here? I don't know. Um, uh, maybe it's got some Tommy Knocker energy in there. Um, maybe <laughs> I'll just talk quieter. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I think I think they do. I don't remember. Uh, it better have glow stick blood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or I want my money back. It would stand to reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely something. happens. some stuff comes out when he cut. He's like cuts off the head. Uh, but there's like more coming and. Uh, Bobby is, of course, like, oh, you're not. Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention that Guard has been pretending to start becoming. Too. Right. He's he, he's had to go along with this charade because otherwise he's going to get killed. Yeah. Yeah. So he has to pretend. Although you'd think that they with their hive mind would kind of know he's bullshitting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes a while, you know, so I guess maybe that's what they're reasoning. I don't remember. I don't even remember if he does that in the book or not. Um but yeah, he take he pulls out his tooth so he can like pass off. His I was gonna say, thing. doesn't he pull out a tooth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, once he kills one of the Tommy Knockers in the ship, Bobby's like, "Oh, you're not, you're not becoming." And then he's like, he somehow gets her out of the spell of the the whole. Thing. Yeah, and she turns back to being beautiful like immediately. Yeah, yeah, and it's and a quickly it's a quick reversal. It's very convenient. And then he takes one for the team. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to get this ship the hell out of here and uh, so I can save my girlfriend. Yep. And she takes Petey up with her, the kid, up with her. 
and um, he yeah he takes control of the ship while the other aliens are waking up and trying to get to the I guess the bridge or the control room of the ship where he's at and uh, yeah and basically just flies it and it explodes it <laughs> yeah into a beautiful green explosion yeah <laughs> yeah that's like call that's a callback to earlier in the movie when they're having a fourth of july celebration and like all this uh there's like these special green fireworks i guess somebody made like a really fancy timey knocker enhanced fireworks or <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. and everybody's normal again yeah well except for the people who have died but yeah right and and hilly or sorry hilly is still comatose from being a battery yeah yeah i think he's still he's still out out of town in the hospital because grandpa takes him out of town and then Mm -hmm. grandpa is and it's like he has some kind of special tumor or some kind of growth in his yeah he has like a brain tumor grandpa seth (laughs) whose name is not really seth but he's looking out for him He's yeah. like, tell me what's wrong with my grandson. Oh yeah, and then he does like some kind of like research. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does some kind of like research. He basically he he goes back to the town, but on his way he gets he does like the you know classic. Oh, I'm gonna go through the library and read do all the research on the history of the area. And there's like some like history of like bad stuff happening in the woods where the spaceship is. So um, why would anyone want to live in Maine? There's like alien crafts there's ancient uh multiverse creatures and dairy there's uh, um there's just a lot of bad shit man there's pet cemeteries (laughs) rabid dogs and yeah yeah Yeah. bad shit goes on there yeah yeah i i don't know i think i think it's just i mean it's a pretty place i mean i i I family live there um i still never been there i'm sure it's beautiful and like kind of unpopulated yeah, I mean, there, I, I mean, like I, that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, my family, my dad's side of the family, there's a lot, has a lot of uh, roots there. So, um, my uh, <laughs> this is just a side thing. My grandma, my great grandmother's house was used by Paul Newman in a movie, a TV movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, Empire Falls on HBO. It was like many, many years, like late '90s. Um, but yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah. It's just some drama or something, but yeah, the, you can see you can see my great grandmother's kitchen in that movie. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, oh wow, Paul Newman of all people. Wow. Yeah. Right. Big name. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a it's a very pretty pretty area. Um, I haven't been there like literally thirty years, but <laughs> maybe someday you'll make it back there. I have spent very little time east of the Mississippi. Oh, wow. Like I've been, I've been like to New York City like twice, and that's about it. Oh wow, yeah, I haven't really. I mean, I think we went over this last podcast. You know, I, I, I lived a little bit. I live, you know, I lived in Oklahoma, but I didn't really. I haven't really. Oh, sorry. Am I being? Am I repeating myself? No, 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 no. I was, I was just like just mentioning because just in case mm-hmm. people remembered. And um, but like we um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not that well traveled either honestly <laughs> um i kind of tend to stick to the yeah the west side but hey you know i'll wander i'll wander that way yeah eventually I mean, yeah it's it's i mean I've, I've always wanted to like i've said i've always wanted to go on a big you know, road desert, trip yeah desert road trip quest you know you need to go to like sedona and like try to catch sight of some try to get in contact yeah well you know there's a there's that famous is it is that the place with the hum one of those mm-hmm. yeah 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 so i'm thinking like maybe they have like a big tommy knocker ship under 
I hope so. <laughs> As an alien lore fan, did you yeah. feel like this movie, you know, hit that sweet spot for you or do you feel like it missed the mark? No, you know, honestly, the movie was I think honestly the the aliens are pretty decent. I I was mm-hmm. surprised by how well I could have used some like some haunting alien images and dreams. Like I wanted yeah, some like yeah, someone like sure. sleeping and tossing around and seeing like a crazy face and like waking up like ah! oh, like totally. I wanted to see more aliens. Yeah, totally. I mean, totally. I do agree with that. But no, I I, I did like what there was. I mean, I was pretty impressed by the production value of it. Like it looked actually pretty decent. And um, the book, there's a lot more of it. But and again, the book. We, there's no live aliens, you know, except for the people being turned into aliens gradually. Mm-hmm. There's like there's dead aliens on the ship and everything, um, and they're described very differently. But you know, it doesn't matter. It's whatever. It's <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I mean the. I mean it. It's. I mean it obviously doesn't really tie into particularly any specific lore, you know, mm-hmm. life lore. But it's 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 pretty cool. I mean it's definitely a variation on stuff that's been done in other stories like. This reminds me particularly of two two major classic sci-fi uh, movies slash stories, uh, Color Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft, which is about this like meteor that falls down and starts spreading off this like weird vapor gas, which is like some color that you can't perceive outside of, and it starts basically killing off everything and turning everything into like I don't know. It, it's it's um like killing basically killing everything that's near comes near it and then there's uh this uh classic 60s movie um called quatermass and the pit which is uh which was also a which actually started off as a bbc made for tv movie um and it's it's about this uh spaceship that is found in london um it's like Mm -hmm. And it's under this area where all these hauntings have happened for all these years. And it turns out that it's like this, the spaceship has been giving off this psychic energy um, that uh, basically it comes from Mars and these Martians came down and altered mankind and put like, it's it's kind of like an early ancient astronaut story sort of. And that we learned that the the Martians, which are like these insectoid creatures um, came down and uh, messed with mankind and put some of their evil genes in us, and so that gave us our our warlike tendencies and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah! Well, you definitely know your shit. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a it's a classic story. I mean, it's a classic uh, movie too. So, um, yeah, it's it's I recommend it highly. I mean, it's a really good '60s sci-fi movie. Um, it with a cool supernatural twist, like. The, the, you know it's like blending of the supernatural and, and the science fiction element which is really cool um, yeah uh, it, and the color out of space definitely is similar in the vibe of like being you know small town being taken over by this overwhelming force and, and there's been a few there's a few other things I mean Stephen King is obviously taking from everything with this like it's to him I yeah. think really for him it's just a more it's obviously a, a, a metaphor for addiction like a blatant metaphor for addiction. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you know, he, you know, he's obviously well-versed in all the classic horror sci-fi stuff too. So he's, you know, taken from all that. Um, but yeah, I think I, well, I, I really it. enjoyed talking about this with you. Yeah, I did too. Um, I think, I think, uh, 
honestly, I think Dreamcatcher will, will whenever we get around to that. I I am down to watch that one because aliens that live in your butt sounds. I want to know about that. Yeah, I just I want to know more about that. It's pretty wild. It's very Stephen King. It's got a lot of Stephen King's uh, quirks, <laughs> but it's 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 crazy. It's crazy in a way. This one is not quite crazy. Um, you know, this one, it's got some funny, this got some silly stuff in it. Like laser. That's what I want. Just, just out there. Yeah. It's, I'm kind of surprised it got made, but it was made, it was a big budget movie that, uh, Lawrence Kasdan and William Goldman and stuff were involved. So it's like really big names and like really, um, the screenwriter, William Goldman. And of course the director, Lawrence Kasdan, big chill guy, uh, body heat, um, all that stuff. Um, so like he, he wrote, a lot of Star Wars and and uh, I think he did he I think he co I think he co-wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff. So like he he, he was a well-known person and he and it was it is a very uh yeah it's a unique movie. <laughs> it's weird. It's it is just so it, it is yeah it's it's a lot of butt stuff space butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, butt monsters and uh, mushroom monsters and like fungus monsters and uh, weird eyebrows on Morgan Freeman. Oh, it's so. Oh yeah, and Jason Lee being incredibly obnoxious. Uh, <laughs> it's so, that doesn't sound like a departure for him. No, no, no. It's it's uh yeah. It's I I highly highly look forward to doing that one. All right. Well, well, thank you for doing this, Mandy. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, if any of your listeners like 80s and 90s, you know, movies that never happened, um, they can listen to Fake Movies, which is the yeah. podcast that I co-host with a couple other people. Until we get to the butt aliens, you take care. You too. All right. Take it easy, Mandy. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. If you have any constructive comments, movie suggestions, or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters, drop us a line at saucercinemapod at gmail.com.